0: Today in The Journey with Steve DeWitt.
1: Here's the reason that we need to get fired up, yes, about the virgin birth of Jesus on Christmas is that if he wasn't fully God, then guess what? We're going to hell. Why? Because he had to be God in order for the worth of his sacrifice to pay for the sins of the world.
0: Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor and Bible Teacher at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But here's the cosmic twist. That Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt navigates this celestial narrative and explores the depths of this profound union. It's a soul-stirring message about the divine unfolding when the Creator stepped into His creation. And you can listen online at The Journey fm
1: here's pastor steve we begin now very famous verse in the bible many of you could probably quote it with me as i say it in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god now i've got six things i want to say today just six here's the first one or six things john's telling us today here's the first one Before Jesus was born, he was the word. Before he was born, he was the word. So not only did he pre-exist or exist in eternity past, but he existed with God. Now this is an extraordinary person, don't you think? Wouldn't this be somebody quite interesting to meet? Somebody that had always been, and somebody that in their always-beening had always been with God. That is is extraordinary, and that is what the Word was. What John wants us to do right away in the beginning of this Gospel is to begin to stare at the Word with wonder and with worship in our hearts. Eternal in his existence, with God, and was God, separate, yet the same. All of this describing, now, the Word is the second person of the Trinity. He was born in the manger, and yet he pre existed that birth as the Word in eternity past. He had always existed. The second thing is before he was born, he created the world. We come to find out that this person, the Word, created prior to being born in Bethlehem, was the creator of everything that was not God. Whoa! Don't you think? That is amazing, that he would be the creator of the world. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And we cannot begin to understand uh, the the pre-existence of Christ, the eternity of Christ. My mind goes back as far as it can go, and then it just shuts down. I can't think of somebody that always has been. I can't do that and I can't get all of his pre-incarnation creative activity. I can't understand how he would create all of this. I don't get that, but the point here is that we are to not necessarily get it, but to look at it with wonder and worship in our heart and to think, whoa, whoa, this word, this second person in the Trinity is somebody so amazing, so wonderful, in fact, What would be the last thing that you would ever expect? Somebody of this infinite glory and this greatness and somebody who's done all of these things, what would be the last thing that you would ever expect him to do? Well, I can tell you what it would be to come slumming with us. Why would he do that? But, friends, that is the wonder of. Of Christmas and that is what verse 14 is all about here we have it the Word became flesh the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth So before he was born, he was the Word. And before he was born, he created the world. And here we find that when he was born, it was God becoming man. The Word became flesh. What he's talking about is that he became physical. He became matter. He took on He took on human form. Prior to this, he had always been a spirit, but now he is one of us. The Word became flesh. Now, how did this happen? How how did the Word become one of us? And here now we have a mystery. We cannot understand. And even the Bible describes it in discrete general language but doesn't totally explain it to us. This is the miracle of the virgin birth, which Luke chapter one describes for us. You recall, the angel appears to Mary, and by the way, where is she when he appears? In? Children, help me, your parents have not read the story, apparently. Where was Mary when the angel appeared to her? And it starts with an N. Not New York. Not Nevada, Nazareth, thank you. (laughs) Mary was in Nazareth and the angel comes and appears to her and this is what happens. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Here's, there's this classic moment here. Because, <laughs> I mean, here the angel comes. You're going you're gonna to give birth to a child and all of this. And Mary is listening. Wow, that's really great. But in her mind, there is a big question. <laughs> and here's the question. How can this be since I am a virgin? Perfectly sensible question, don't you think? How can I be giving birth to this person if I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. What this is describing in very discreet language is the mystery of how a virgin would give birth. How can a virgin be pregnant? And here, here's, what is, here's what we can know, that this was a work of creation within Mary's womb so that Mary's egg and the creative work of the Holy Spirit come together to create a a zygote that begins to divide, and in that moment, the second person of the Trinity, all that he is as creator of the world and God himself, his entire personhood, is somehow captured down into that little now self-dividing cell within her womb, ensuring the fact that the baby that would be born would be fully man, born of Mary, and also fully divine, born of the Holy Spirit. And that's the mystery of the virgin birth. Anybody get that? I don't either. But we need to be glad that it is true. The word became flesh and the angels were astounded by it. And you know, there is an old saying, it says, confusion is the devil's playground. Have you ever heard that before? And it's true on many levels, in a company, on a team. When things aren't clear, that's where trouble comes from. And it's certainly true theologically. And down through the years, this has been uh, the battleground when it comes to uh, the Christian faith. Of all the things that have been debated and, and heresies that have come in to somehow take away the true gospel, this is where the battle has taken place. And I just want to give you some, some uh, examples of this because you know, we believe in the basic formula of the God-man. He was fully God. He was fully man. Here we have some uh, twisting of that truth uh, down through the years. Gnosticism. I'm gonna, by the way, I'm not really concerned that you know all the big words on Gnosticism this side i just want to get you the the truth here of how this gets twisted and why it's so important gnosticism would say that jesus couldn't have been truly man because matter and physical is inherently evil this by the way is the premise of the da vinci code adoptionism jesus became the son of god at his baptism after earning the right denying his pre-existence arianism that god made jesus then adopted him which denies both his humanity and his deity Here's a word I don't care if you ever say in your life. <laughs> Apollinar- Apollo- Maybe I can't even say it in my life. Apollinarianism, Christ was divine but never took a full human nature. Nestorianism denies the oneness of Jesus' two natures, he was God separate from man instead of being one. Modalism does the opposite, says that there's only one God and that des- denies the personhoods of the Trinity. Docetism just says that he appeared to be human. He was like a ghost. He looked like he was there, but he really wasn't human. And on and on this could go down through the years, all these little twistings of the basic formula that he was fully God and he was fully man. And of course, here's the reason that we need to get fired up, yes, about THE VIRGIN BIRTH OF JESUS ON CHRISTMAS IS THAT IF HE WASN'T FULLY GOD, THEN GUESS WHAT? WE'RE GOING TO HELL. WHY? BECAUSE HE HAD TO BE GOD IN ORDER FOR THE WORTH OF HIS SACRIFICE TO PAY FOR THE SINS OF THE WORLD. AND IF HE WASN'T GOD, IF SOMEHOW HE REALLY, he, that, 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 THAT HOLY SPIRIT VIRGIN BIRTH THING didn't, WASN'T REALLY WHAT HAPPENED, THEN WE'RE ALL LOST. And if he wasn't fully man, then guess what? He couldn't die for our sins because we had to have a representative, one of us, that died for our sins. The wages of sin is death, and man had to die to pay the price for sin. So if he wasn't man, we're all lost. If he wasn't God, we're all lost. And these other things all represent deviations from what we fully believe and ought to be excited about. Friends, listen, this ought to be something that stirs the heart of the Christian as it is thought about and talked about and and taught in Scripture, that our Savior, that little baby, as it came out of the womb and laid in the manger, was as God as God is God and as man as you and I are, fully God, fully man, a fully qualified Savior. If he wasn't, then we're all lost and we're wasting our time. But praise God, he was God. (laughs) He was God and he was man. You're saying, well, Pastor Steve, where's Christmas here? You want to know where Christmas is? If you look at verse 14, you see that little word became? There's Christmas. That's Christmas right there. In the Greek, it's in the aorist tense. It, mean, it means a simple past action. It means he became something that, that wasn't true before. He became flesh. He became one of us. Prior to that, he'd been a spirit. But now he is fully God and Man, So, I would suggest to us here this morning that for those of us that are sort of getting it and are excited about this as we ought to be, that this is something that should get us kind of fired up at Christmas time to think about one more time the divine human nature of Jesus in the manger. How we doing? All right? Okay, let's, that's, okay that's the third thing. Let's shoot for the fourth. Here it is. After Jesus was born, he lived a human life. Before he was born, he was the Word. Before he was born, he created the world. When he was born, he was the God-man. After he was born, he lived a human life. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Now, why is this important? You realize that as wonderful as the incarnation is, it is inadequate to save any of us. Christmas doesn't save anyone. God, I mean, Jesus could have just come, you know, incarnation, angels, and shepherds, and all the, all the hoopla that took place around Christmas. He could have come and incarnated and then gone back to heaven and we're all going to hell. Christmas doesn't save us. But the Bible tells us that he didn't just come, make a sort of social appearance like some celebrity would do, hello, hello, kiss babies, shake hands, and then get out of there that he dwelt amongst us, that he lived amongst us. And the apostle John, of course, knew this firsthand. He lived with Jesus for three years and was so close to Jesus that he describes how he used to put his head on Jesus' uh, shoulder. Now, does that, like, what does that mean? And I got thinking about this, and I thought a great way to show what that mean would be for us here this morning, uh, like to all do that right now with a person maybe ne- next to you to just kind of put your, okay, stop, don't do it. I was just going to suggest it because I knew in the suggestion that there would be, now the, the married people are like, ah, uh, and, and if you're single and sitting next to somebody that you're interested in, you're like, ah, uh, all right. <laughs> But many people here are probably sitting by people that you don't know. And Pastor Steve is suggesting that you put your head on their shoulder and you're thinking to yourself, this is a weird church, right? And you know what? I don't, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, if I was sitting there and especially, you know, especially a guy to put my head on a guy, and that's what you have with Jesus and John, you know, as a guy thing, and no thank you. I... I've told you before, I don't like holding hands in prayer and I certainly don't like putting my head on your shoulder in a worship service. It's not gonna happen. But the people that you would do that with would be somebody that you know well, somebody that you feel comfortable with, somebody that you trust, that you have a kind of friendship, intimacy with them. And John and Jesus had a kind of relationship where he would put his head on Jesus' shoulder, close to him, saw him, up close and as astounding as the person and the work of christ is and his incarnational appearance john is also excited about the life that jesus lived amongst us he experienced friend listen he experienced everything that you look back on this week and you say you know what that was sick that was discouraging i don't like that every weakness, every frailty, every discouragement that we have experienced, our Savior experienced as well. And that is why Hebrews says, this is what qualifies him to be our high priest. As he represents us to God, we don't go to Jesus and say, hey, I got this problem, I got this issue, and Jesus is like, talk to the hand. No, his heart fills with compassion because he has experienced the very things that we are experiencing in our own lives. He is, therefore, an all-sufficient Savior. And John loves that. He celebrates it here. I've seen, he says, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. It's a wonderful truth, our faithful high priest. All right, here's the fifth thing. Here's John's conclusion. Here's what he says. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The word that describes his birth and his life is glory. Glory. The other day I did what probably you've been doing. I went to the post office and I, actually it was the grocery store, I want to be as factual as I can in my message. I went to the grocery store and I bought a book of stamps. And I got I looked at the stamp and it was a painting of the baby Jesus on the Christmas stamp. And over his head was this like halo, golden halo. Now what is the painter trying to convey by the golden halo over the baby Jesus? that he was divine, that he was glorious. And so we look at the baby Jesus and we see this coming out. Is that the way that it was? When the shepherds arrived at, the, at the, the, the manger, was there this like glow coming from the manger in some way? When Jesus walked through the room somewhere, was there this kind of glory flowing out from him and of course the answer is no we have songs that suggest that radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace now i'm not down on silent night okay we're going to sing it tonight <laughs> sing it with gusto but it would sort of insinuate there was that his glory was this evident visible thing it was only that one time at the Mount of Transfiguration. What glory is John talking about when he says that we have seen his glory? Could include, of course, the Transfiguration, but so much more. How about his miracles? I mean, what would you do if you were standing on a hillside? There's 5,000 people that are there. They're all hungry, and the guy that you're with feeds them all with a happy meal. Would you look at that, and what would you say? Whoa whoa or if you are in a boat in a raging sea and it's about to be swamped and you think you're about to die and there's a guy in the boat that stands up and says stop and the whole thing (laughs) stops whoa or what if you went to visit the grave of a friend with somebody and there it was their loved one that was in the grave and some guy comes walking up and says oh let me take care of this hey why don't you come out of there and you look down in the grave and all of a sudden you see these fingers coming up through the grass and through the dirt and this body comes out alive like that, what would you do? Freak out, that's right. <laughs> but you would look at the guy and you would say, whoa, whoa. Would glory be a good word for it? And of course Jesus' glory goes far beyond his miracles to his humility and this is the paradox this is, this is the, the conundrum of the God-man is that we look at all that he was prior to coming to earth, his pre-existence, his creative power, his deity, everything that he was, and then we look at his life. And none of the things that you would expect to see in somebody so great do you necessarily see in his life. Like there is no castle, there is no army, there is no throne, there is no flamboyance, there is no flaunting. In fact, if anything, Jesus is the lowliest man that has ever lived. A a backwoodsy type. We would would call him the the hick or the redneck from Galilee with 12, 12 uneducated, scraggly followers that trailed behind him around the countryside. And how did Jesus treat them? Did he lord it over them? No. He washed their feet and said, actually, I want you to know something. I'm your servant, the king of the universe. I'm your servant.
0: That was Pastor Steve DeWitt with six reasons to worship the newborn king. You're listening to The Journey. And if you tuned in late today or missed the first segment of this message, you can replay the full message online at thejourney.fm. You can also subscribe to our podcast, Just search your favorite podcast app for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Well, moments ago, Pastor Steve reminded us that in order to pay for the sins of the world, the sacrifice had to be God. It's a sobering reminder that God offered His best for us, and in return, we should strive to do the same for Him. That's why every day on The Journey, we dedicate ourselves to spreading God's Word to people worldwide via radio and the Internet so that they can gain an understanding of Jesus Christ and embrace His sacrifice on their behalf. We're doing our part in fulfilling the Great Commission. Would you help us? When you make a special year-end gift of any amount, it will help us reach more people through this Bible teaching program in the new year. You can give by calling us at 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit us online at thejourney.fm. And when you give... We'll say thanks by sending you a book called In the Manger. Join pastor and New York Times best-selling author Max Lucado as he invites you to bear witness to the birth of Christ as you've never seen it before through 25 inspirational selections, great for Advent or any time of the year. Request your copy along with your donation by calling 844-7JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or go to thejourney.fm. On our website, you'll also find helpful articles by Pastor Steve on topics like family, finances, and faith. So be sure to take advantage of these practical resources. Again, that's thejourney.fm. And if you'd like to connect with us on Facebook or via email, you'll find those links at the top of the page. And if you live nearby, we invite you to join us for worship at Bethel Church, where Steve DeWitt serves as the senior pastor. We're located in Crown Point, Indiana, with multi-site campuses in Cedar Lake and Hobart. You'll find directions and all the info you need to plan your visit at bethelweb.org. I'm Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve concludes today's message titled Six Reasons to Worship the Newborn King. That's Wednesday on The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.